Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Draftmas to you. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride, and we are the AP Draft Show. Three fourths of the group is in the room right now. I am joined by Jake Stack. Find him on Twitter at Jacob Morley and at Barley Hop Craig Stout. Craig, welcome to my basement. Yeah, it's weird down here, guys. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It, it's for real weird. I, I'm a little afraid that I won't get out. So if you don't hear me after this, and this gets put out, I'm hiding in Kent's basement right now. Just don't go over to the Patrick Mahomes shrine. Oh, just stay oh, away that, from that. That's what you're calling the Patrick Mahomes shrine. Oh, just God. St- stay away. I'm going to take a picture. It's 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 not good. Uh, Jake, uh, thank you for putting your pants back on <laughs> after welcome. the uh, Jay Sternber- Sternberger selection that forced you to, to unpants yourself. He was my guy. I was excited. <laughs> it's not every year your guy gets picked by your team. Something we're going to talk about here, unless you were really a, like a really big Nicole Hardman fan. I'm not sure if anyone took their pants off for that. Uh, they took their pants off in anger. Maybe. But no, I, I'm, I'm I'll, never let's, never take your pants off in anger. Let's just talk about that. I'm because <laughs> <laughs> if you do that, your mic falls out. Yeah. <laughs> Did you drop the mic? Yes. Uh, we don't hate Nico Hardman. Actually, I'm pretty sure Maddie does. Yeah. But no, I'm going to talk to him about that here in a little bit. We're going to have Maddie on shortly. Do a little segment, get his takes. Um, the Chiefs started the draft trading picks 61 and 167 up for wide receiver Nico Hardman, the first pick in the Chiefs draft. Um, I I don't know if I love the pick. That's probably my least favorite pick that they made, but good news, things got a lot better after that. Uh, but the Chiefs took a vertical threat that certainly seems to indicate something that I hope happens, and the Chiefs release Tyreek Hill, uh, hopefully before this podcast is over, frankly. Jake, I know you did the primary evaluation on Miko Hardman. What did you think of him? So when I did him, I'm going into watching his tape, uh, there was some buzz about him, about people talking about him actually going in this range in the top 100. Um, and so I was excited to watch him. And kind of like the other Georgia offensive skill position players, it was his tape is a little bit underwhelming um, for various reasons. He's not a very refined route runner yet. He does not catch the ball that well in traffic. His catch radius is pretty small. But things that he does well, like he's just got that natural ability in the open field. He's fast. Um, He can do a lot with the ball in his hands. He's a guy that I think can take the top off the defense when he, you know, when he develops into that role a little bit more. 
do I love the value of where he was taken? No, I don't. Um, but I think, you know, he has some skills like we were talking about. He has some skills that he can hang his hat on. And he's a guy that I think can develop eventually. Now, I don't know if he's going to be someone that's going to come in and be able to contribute right away. And that's kind of a high pick for a receiver that you are kind of hoping and banking on his development. Um, so I don't know. The, the jury's out on that one. I'm not wild about it right out of the gates, but I can definitely see a path of him being successful in the NFL, though, as well. I mean, this is about as close to a direct replacement for Tyree Kill as they were going to get in this draft. He's got legit speed. Uh, Jake was saying earlier today that he was upset at how slow his 4-3-3-40 was. I guess he's been laser-timed at 4-2-4. That is blazing fast. That's Tyree Killfast. That's Tyree Killfast. This is a guy that you want to put with the ball in his hands in open field. He is a kick returner. He's a punt returner. Uh, Brett Veach said in his press conference just a little bit ago that Dave Tobe told him that's the closest guy that he's seen to Devin Hester since Hester. Wow. That's high praise for a kick returner. Now, again, taking a kick returner that high, uh, there, there's a debate to be had there. They're obviously going to try and fabricate some touches, get him into space, get him with the ball in his hands, and let him use that speed. But he will have an impact on special teams immediately in year one. So I think one thing to kind of take into consideration, rightly or wrongly, about how teams approach day two and day three of the draft is some teams go and identify specific traits that they value, that they need, that they feel like they need. If you're going on, if the, I, I think I've heard Daniel Jeremiah kind of talk about like a grocery shopping list. You need certain ingredients. You need certain elements to, a, to your offense or your defense that you're trying to acquire. The Chiefs, found something that they wanted, that they needed, that they felt they needed. You can take it all for what it's worth. They felt they, they needed a vertical threat. Speed. They needed speed. I think we know why. They found a guy that can that, that can hang his hat and make a career with one really quality trait. And go read the KC Draft Guide on Michael Harvin because when you read the write-up on you know what how he potentially fits with the Chiefs, you're going to read that and go, this pick makes a lot of sense. And you know that was written a month and a half ago. And going back and reading it again, you know, it compares him to guys <laughs> like DAT, to you know, to Tyree Kill, to those smaller, quicker guys that Andy Reid seems to love. And you're going to go ahead and read that article and go, well, of course, of course, he was the pick, especially with everything that's been going on. Yeah. So you know, we kind of had. Michael Hardman valued at like a round four kind of range. I think we had him in the top 25 of the KC draft guy. He was actually the lowest guy taken here. Now, but, that being said, just because I see this a lot, and we just want to put that out there, because the Chiefs traded up, that means somebody was going to try and take him. Yes. Like, this isn't a situation where Brett Veach just out of the blue decided, oh, I think this is the right spot to go and trade for him. Right. There's too often for that where you say, well, this guy would have been available in the fourth round. He wouldn't. We put a value like that on him, but somebody was going up for him. Somebody was going to take him there in that same range that the Chiefs traded up for him. There, so there was one. There was one can of green beans left on the cart. Yeah, and the Chiefs maybe tripped the Eagles. I think we saw something on Twitter. It's probably the Eagles. They tripped the Eagles on the way down the aisle. Cowboys so that they, reportedly loved him too. Also, there you go. I mean, so that, I mean, that's kind of what happens. You know, these are these are why teams trade up. They don't trade up just to trade up. So um, let's move on to 
one of the best, if not the best pick of the Chiefs draft so far. A guy that, frankly, the Chiefs took him at 29, and they had, if they had picked 29, they took Juan Thornhill. I'd have been fine. I'd been just fine. But instead, they got him with the 63rd pick in the draft. And he's a guy I think we were all big fans of. Another Senior Bowl participant uh, that we got to have our eyes on, got to watch extensively when we were going through our tape evaluations of him there. Got to watch him, obviously, on tape through all of our process. Um, And he's a guy I think we're all really excited about. The number 47 player on the KC Draft Guide board makes a ton of sense for the Chiefs with his uh, cornerback background, his athleticism, his versatility. Craig, what are the Chiefs getting in Juan Thornhill? They are getting a free safety that can kick down and cover in man coverage. We know the Chiefs want safeties that can cover in man. They want guys that are going to be able to line up in Spagnuolo's match coverages and be able to carry guys all over the field match up with any receiver that could be slotted against him. I mean, Juan Thornhill was playing corner two years ago. Yeah. So he's a guy that has that ability. He put on some extra weight. He's a free safety. Veach sees him as a center field type free safety. That means that he's going to line up behind Honey Badger. They're going to keep Honey Badger in the box. You know, they tried to trade for Earl Thomas. This is the guy that they went out and got instead. It just makes too much sense. Yeah, I... I'm kind of like don't love Juan Thornhill, and I know you guys are really high on him. And not not to say I'm not high on him. Um, he was kind of the last of that safety class, I think. With that's the clean prospect. You know, the Chauncey Gardner Johnson stuff has come out that he has he's really fallen on some people's boards. But well, like kind of what what Craig was saying is he he's a coverage player. You yeah. know, I don't know where they're going to play him. It sounds like Veach wants to play him in that single high kind of cover one type role. But I think he's a guy that you can, like Craig said, you can put him in the slot. You can put him outside wide. I mean, really think Byron Jones is the type of prospect that he is. You know, obviously Byron Jones went higher than Juan Thornhill by about a round. But he is that type of guy that he might play safety year one and kick to corner year two. Um, It's, you know, and and when they first took him, that was the initial thought was, well, they really need a corner here. I bet they're just going to play Juan Thornhill at corner. Um, but it looks like they're not going to do that. They are going to play him strictly in that safety role. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And, you know, that that could change in three weeks if, if you know, whatever doesn't happen that they're maybe hoping does. Juan, Horn, Juan Thornhill is going to be starting week one in Kansas City. Absolutely. Or against the Jaguars. I fully believe that. I know Brett Veach went around and, you know, talked about Here's what I think is funny. Brett Veach at his pre-draft conference. Yeah, I don't like the safety class. I think safeties the safety, are terrible. Frankly, I don't think the safety class is very look, good. Look at all the safeties on our roster. We, I mean, we love all these guys. We love all these safeties. And they Armani out, Watts. He's talking up Armani Watts and Jordan Lucas. And, Jordan and, like, Lu- and Dan Sorensen. Yeah. And Dan Sorensen. Dan Sorensen may not be around yeah. much longer. I There's mean, $2.5 million you can save right there. Right. Juan yeah. Thornhill will be starting in center field. He makes the most sense as a center fielder. I could see you know, Armani Watts. I know people love Armani Watts here. He's a backup safety now. And the Chiefs typically prefer to use two safeties with Steve Spagnuolo typically uses two safeties. Armani Watts is maybe Badger insurance. Maybe a guy's going to play closer to the line of scrimmage potentially. I mean, I think that's probably his best chance of having success. Although Lucas can do both of those things as well. Yeah, I think Lucas would be more, would probably be your backup free. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Armani's probably, if he's going to play, he's going to probably play closer to the line of scrimmage. He has value to this squad still. Yeah. Armani Watts still has plenty of value. I just don't, I just, absolutely. I just don't know that you're going to see either one of those guys. 
in a starting role in at all unless there's an injury in this upcoming year. And that's quality depth. Yeah. That's quality depth. But Juan Thornhill is going to start in can- against the Jaguars in week one. I fully believe that. Uh, okay, so a, a move that really surprised us and a guy that we haven't really talked, I don't think, at all about on the on the draft show at all. Maybe we talked... I bet you we talked about him at the Senior Bowl we because did. this was yeah. another Senior Bowl participant. I'm sure we did, actually. He's fun. And he's kind of a guy that we probably didn't anticipate them being able to select or a guy that we thought made a ton of sense in the draft ranges that he was probably expected to go. It's Kalen Saunders, the interior defensive lineman from Western Illinois, one of the funnest stories, one of the funnest players, one of the viral players of the 2019 draft class, capable of doing backflips even though he's 324 pounds. Jake, what did you think of Kalen Sanders seeing him at the Senior Bowl? Well, I know we definitely talked about him amongst our, us because our, I was talking to Craig even as they were showing his his cut-up of him at the Senior Bowl, and I looked at him and I said, I remember that exact play sitting in the Exos film room or, or whatever that film room was called. It was called. Exos. It was Exos film room. Nice. Got it. Um, Good job. And, uh, and there's a play where, you know, he, he – they were trying to he was, they were trying to get cut down at the knees and he he does such a good job of staying on his feet always and that's what initially stuck out I think to all of us was just one play where he just basically puts his hand in the ground like a running back kicks his leg out and gets back up and continues rushing the passer and that's impressive to see a guy do that and then on top of that he does the backflips and that those kind of gimmicky things typically are like they don't really matter on the, on the field. Like, what's his face? That that Gilbert dude that jumped out of a pool mm-hmm. a few years ago. People are like, oh, this dude can jump out of a pool. It doesn't necessarily make you a good football player. Kalen Saunders can do that stuff, and he also is a good football player. He's by far and away my favorite pick they've made so far in Kansas City. Um, he played – so I, if you don't know, I'm a big North Dakota State fan. Um, FCS level where he played. They play in the same division – and he absolutely wrecked what North Dakota State was trying to do the last three years, which if you're familiar with that level of football, not a lot of teams could do that. North Dakota State is a powerhouse at that level. They kind of would just have their way with most teams. Kalen Saunders single-handedly would just completely wreck games against North Dakota State. So he's a guy that you're hoping you know he can make that transition to the NFL. He showed that he more than likely – has the potential to do that at the Senior Bowl because he more than held his own against those guys. So I think he answered a lot of questions at the Senior Bowl. Um, but he's just a guy for me that I think he is probably my favorite pick for the Chiefs so far. Craig, I know you were talking, you know, people have questions about, you know, whether or not he fits into what they want to do, what his specific role is going to be moving forward. Listen, you're going to hear a lot of people comp him to Derek Naughty because of his size. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. He's not. Derek uh, Nottie's not doing backflips. No. Uh, Derek, <laughs> Derek Nottie. He would we probably, love Derek Nottie. We this love Derek Nottie. This isn't a slight against Derek Nottie. They're just, it's just the reality. They're, they're completely different players. I oh, think, gosh. I think. okay, time out. Yeah. I think the relative athletic score, if you guys don't know what the relative athletic score equals, uh, or what we what we mean when we say that, there's a there's a really cool testing measurement made by a guy named at MathBomb on Twitter. And it kind of... It it uh, it basically takes athletic testing and contextualizes it over the course of of history. And so, a good relative athletic score is like a seven or an eight, eight and a half. I believe Kalen Saunders. I think I have it real quick. Let me look real quick. I Kalen Saunders had a high relative athletic score. He actually he had, was fringe. I he was fringe elite. I believe he had a seven point six relative athletic score. The only thing that was really hurting him was his broad jump and his height. 
Yep. It, really quality 10-yard split, really quality 40-yard uh, dash, quality three-cone. Um, if you added Kalen Saunders' 7.6 and Derek Nottie's relative athletic score, it'd still be under eight probably. Yeah, <laughs> Derek Nottie's a bad athlete. He, He's he a is. great football player. Absolutely. Quality one-and-a-half-down football player. And, and a lot of the reason that people are going to try and compare him is because they're kind of short, squatty dudes. Caleb yes. uh, Saunders is not a long player by no. any means. And that, that hurts him a little bit. That does show up on tape a little bit. His conditioning, that shows up on tape a little bit too. But as Jake said, we watched him go to the Senior Bowl. He lined up against Garrett Bradbury. He lined up against Michael Dieter. Those two guys have been drafted already in this. And he beat them. He beat them like drums on some some yep. plays. Uh, and the what Jake was talking about, where he's fallen down, he puts his hand in the dirt, but he doesn't lose, doesn't go to his knees, anything like that, and he continues the pass rush rep. He was a 285-pound running back in high school. That contact balance shows up when he's rushing the power passer. He has elite feet. He is so light on his feet, he can rush the passer and get into gaps, explosive, He's going to be a great rotational three-tech. And to speak to his athleticism even more, and granted, again, this was at the FCS level, but they knew what they had in Kalen Saunders, and they would put him all over the place. They, yeah, were, they stood you, him up on the edge. Exactly, yeah. exactly what I'm getting at. is they, Yeah, they would rush him from the edge standing up. Just crazy to see. 320-plus pounds. He's, he's silly. Yeah. He's a silly man. Yeah. So when you look at Kalen Saunders, I think from like the from the stunt game, from the twist game, they mm -hmm. can utilize him, and he will have a ton of success with his fluidity, with his great feet, with his balance too, because those things will all matter when they're trying to execu execute stunts. So this guy makes a ton of sense from all that, from that element, and I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about. Yeah. And Chris Jones, remember, Chris Jones plays about 65% of the snaps. Yeah. He's not a guy that's a 100% snap guy on defense. Those four, those 35% of the snaps need to go to somebody. And he can line up next to Chris Jones on obvious passing, obvious passing downs and get after the quarterback. And he can rotate in with Chris Jones for those 35% of the snaps. He is going to be a functional player. He's not a quote-unquote replacement for anybody that's on the roster right now, Derek Naughty's still your nose tackle. Right. But this guy is going to be able to come in and offer interior pass rush. That all of a sudden got to be a really mean pass rushing line in the past week. And oh, I've, oh, I, I was just going to say, I've seen people talk about, you need to start looking at your starting defense in terms of who is going to be on the field in third and seven plus. That's really your starting defense because that's the money down. That's when you're trying to get off the field. And Kalen Saunders... I think can be that guy to yeah, yeah to line up next to, to Chris Jones and be a guy that if all he can do early on in his career is is provide some interior pass rush, then he's a starter even if he's only playing twenty percent of the snaps on those third down snaps. And you got to take into consideration too, Derek Nottie is the only defensive lineman under contract in twenty twenty. Chris Jones, we expect to get done, mm -hmm. but your interior defensive lineman, it's Derek Nottie. You need guys. You need him. And this guy, I really do think Steve Spagnolo is going to have a great plan for him, and he's going to make an impact immediately. And Brett Veach said he was in the conversation at 63 when they took Juan Thornhill. They went with Thornhill, and when it circled back around to their pick, they just uh, they they ran to the board. We, know, we remember how quick that pick was turned in. It was, oh, the Chiefs are on the clock, and the pick is in. 
That's like, so cool. Immediately. So, yeah. And I, Kansas City, you're going to love this kid. He's, he's, he's Chris Jones. Like, off the field. <laughs> like, he's going to joke around. He's going to be a quote machine. You're going to love him. And, you know, he, he had a child during during the senior bowl the senior bowl and i don't believe he missed anything no. did he and we t- I, we talked about that on this podcast that was something that we talked about was he he left after practice went and got to be there um with his wife girlfriend whoever it was um got to witness you know the the birth of his first child and then flew back and was was there for the next morning of practices and i know that really struck a chord with a lot of the coaches because that was something that they really gave him a ton of credit for was realizing that this is the biggest job interview of your life and he's taking it so seriously to to the point where he was willing to basically probably not have any sleep for like 72 hours and yet and, still felt it very important to be there for right. the birth of his daughter yep. i mean also priorities there that's uh, he's going to be a great guy great high 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 character guy locker room's going to love him we needed that kind of news today yeah we really did. Yeah, this locker room needed Kalen Saunders. It, yeah. We're going to talk to Maddie, and then we will be back to close this thing out after that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You can find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Coming to us, it's about midnight where you're at, Maddie. Maddie Lang, what's going on, bud? Oh, yeah, no, we're getting to midnight, and uh, we're doing good. We just got out of day two of the NFL draft, and it was it was an interesting one for the Chiefs. We got some action finally, so that was fun. That was fun. I, uh, I know you have some strong picks, or strong uh, opinions about the Chiefs' first pick, Meikle Hardman at 56. I'm I'm very close. I think all of our listeners, especially our regular listeners, know how you felt about the Breland, Breland Speaks pick last year. I'm not quite there, but I'm pretty close to that as far as wow. the Nicole Hardman pick. I just don't get it. I know at first I wasn't a big fan when the pick was first announced, and that was mostly just based on the talent that was still all over the board. But I've gone back. I've tried to reset and watch up to five games now. I don't get it. I don't see it. I just, I 100% don't understand taking him in the second round, let alone trading up for him. I understand how he's going to fit with the Chiefs. The fit makes perfect sense. I just don't understand the value of that fit in the second round when there was so much more available. It sounded like the the uh, the Chiefs jumped 
the Eagles for this particular guy, which I found interesting. I don't disagree with you. I didn't love the value at one, uh, you know, at 56. I thought he was, you know, not, I thought he was a day three kind of guy, maybe early day three. Uh, so seeing him go this quick was pretty surprising. Um, what, so is there anything about him that excites you at all? He's very fast. Like, yeah, he runs a track, a track level speed. You can see it when he catches a screen pass or when he gets a free release and runs a nine route, or he's a great kick returner. He is what a gadget player is to everybody. When you think of a gadget player, that is what McCole Hardman looks like to me on film. Now, he's raw. He's only been playing receiver for a couple years. He started out as a defensive back when he got to Georgia. They moved him around. So there's a big potential for a developmental curve that he can undergo. But even when you're just watching him, I'm, just, I'm not sure I'm seeing what really excites somebody from the hands to the footwork to any nuance to the game. I just I don't see what you're excited by if it's not an athletic trait. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about more fun players. Yes, and please. These are, there's two guys that participated in the Senior Bowl that we were fans of. We had Juan Thornhill, the safety from Virginia, as a top 50 player in the KC Draft Guide. Um, what what did you think about that pick at 63? I really enjoyed the Juan Thornhill pick. I think that kind of helped salvage the night a little bit. That's the one big thing that separates it from last year is we didn't have just a trade-up for a player that we weren't particularly high on, but you get to follow it up immediately with a player that you are higher on than where he went. So Juan Thornhill, versatile safety, great cover skills for safety, like man coverage skills because he played corner at Virginia before, ball production all over the place. He's going to fit great with Tyron Matthew. He's kind of in the similar mold that he can play everywhere like Matthew. He's probably better, in my opinion, as a deep safety. And I'm not 100% sure the Chiefs don't Byron Jones him and give him a chance to play corner at some point in time on the outside. Because why not? If he fails, he just goes back to safety. Yeah, why not? I mean, and you get good value if that's the case. Um, you know, I think I thought it was a great pick as well, obviously. Uh, Haki- uh, not Hakeem. Kalen Saunders. Don't even go there right now, Ken. It was a Freudian slip. It was like a, it was like a slip because I knew I was talking to you. I had to like accidentally say Hakeem Butler's name, but I didn't. I came close, but then I just said, "I'm sorry." I, I know the wound's still fresh. Um, okay, Kalen Saunders, 84th off the board, 84th in the KC Draft Guide. Another guy we got to see at the Senior Bowl, and probably one of the most fun prospects we watched at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, and this is an interesting draft because this interior defensive line class was great. Like, there's players all over the first round that just have all the super high upside. But then once you got to the second round, I know some people were big Draymond Jones fans. I wasn't huge on him, and then we had our guy, Tristan Hill. But once you got past those two guys, there wasn't really a pass-rushing interior defensive lineman besides Saunders. Like, he was the next guy unless you're moving an edge player like a Zach Allen or a Charles Aminahue inside. So you're sitting there at pick 84, you see Saunders come up, and like the initial thought is, oh, this is great. This is a perfect pick for the Chiefs because we think that there needs to be some more interior pass rush for the Chiefs. Chris Jones is playing 70% of the snaps at most. He needs a little break. Saunders can fill in perfectly there early on if he doesn't develop into more than that. And he just he destroyed it at the senior ball, and he has one of this top-notch motors. It's just something you love to see. Uh, was there anything that surprised you? In the second, first, second, or third round, anybody that's still on the board, you're kind of surprised by anything like that. So I mean, I'm 
It's dumbfounded me that DK Metcalf lasted as long as he did. Like, I could get while Kelvin Harmon or Hakeem Butler going on day three. I disagree with it, and I think the NFL's making a mistake. But I understand the concept that the NFL is a little weary over big-bodied wide receivers that went at the catch point rather than creating great separation. But DK Metcalf isn't that. He's not as a super unathletic player. He's got an athletic profile that teams should covet given his floor is pretty much a great deep threat and a huge size. So seeing him drop that far was pretty wild. And then I think just some other things, just the way the offensive tackles went off the board, I think was a little weird getting somebody to come up for Caleb McGarry in the first round yesterday. And then just some of the way they went through this entire thing with Greg Little coming off the board, you get a Sioux Falls pick coming out. It's just some weird offensive tackle picks, but that happens every year. It's just, you try to prepare for them when you're watching offensive tackles like I was, and some of them still caught me off guard. That's Matty Lane. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. We'll talk to you after the end of day three, man. Sounds like a plan, guys. And it's time to close out our day two recap of the NFL draft. The Chiefs have taken three players. They used pick 167 to go move up for Nicole Hardman. So the Chiefs don't pick until the 200s. Uh, Craig, I think you said Brett Veach said just don't even worry about watching the fourth round. Basically. Yeah, sleep in, guys. That's that's what Brett Veach told you. <laughs> sleep in. You you don't need to watch the round four uh, draft there. You you can you can maybe just scan the names afterwards with your you know in comparison with your handy dandy Casey draft guide. Which by the way, guys, all three picks taken high fits according to the Kansas City draft guide. Okay, that's awesome. Yes, it I is. didn't know that. Yes, you know what's even cooler to me. Uh, Kalen Saunders goes 84th. He is 84th. the 84th ranked player in the KC Draft Guide. High fits, though? High fits? I feel so good now. Yeah. That That's great. Yes. That that really, that that made everything worth it, honestly. <laughs> because, like, I mean, honestly, like, the, the Draft Guide and all this stuff is very terrifying. You put all of your takes out there for everyone to see. Early, too. Mo- a month ago. before. Yeah. Character, more character stuff, you know, hits the fan. So, you know, some of these things, like some character and some injury stuff comes uh, up. Wide there. receivers needed desperately all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. That's cool. So, well, uh, how hey. many, I was going to say, we had one guy in the top 100 that we didn't have in the guide. And that was, what's his face? Pipkins from Sioux Falls. No, we also had the guy that no one on oh, yeah. the NFL no, network. Gonna, yeah, no, I was saying, I was like, oh, was man. Like, I felt kind of bad about that. But then... The Jaguars took a guy that even the NFL Network didn't know who they were. Like, oh, uh, we got nothing on this guy. <laughs> so if you've never watched the NFL Network coverage, they do this thing on day three to kind of break up the monotony called, uh, what's it called? Uh, Stump the Truck, yeah. where one of the guys on the set gives them a player. And, you know, like the NFL Network has like a thousand write-ups and videos and, and all kinds of graphics and stuff for all these guys. The NFL Network did not have it for one of the top 100 picks. Daniel Jeremiah just came out and he, what do you say? Well, I watched over 400 players throughout this process. I didn't watch this guy. <laughs> and he was a linebacker. I was just sitting there staring at the screen going, I, I guys, I, I didn't watch this guy. And like, I'm, he wasn't even on my radar. And so when Daniel Jeremiah said that, I went, oh, okay. That's, that just, it feels, it makes you feel good. Yeah. Uh, was there any surprises for you guys today? I ca- I know Chaun- here's one thing. I know Chauncey Gardner Johnson has uh, reportedly got some issues that is keeping him from being selected because his talent is way beyond day three. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of fascinating. Couple thoughts here. I've heard one thing is 
uh, when a new coaching staff comes in, they don't often uh, talk highly of players that they didn't bring into their program. Uh, Dan Mullen is the first-year coach here. I wonder if that might have contributed to some of that, if he's just slandering some of the Florida kids on the way out because they team this is this happens a lot with coaching changes. I wonder if that's part of it. We've heard that he rubbed people the wrong way. I'm pretty surprised Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is not off the board right now. I'm shocked that Ja'Kai Polite went off, Came the, board off the board already. I mean, he, he was a guy that tanked this process about as, as, as badly as you can here. And yet somehow he went off the board before Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, before Hakeem Butler fell out. I know there were some rumors that he might, but I think that is a little bit of a shock to some people. Mm, not me. Not, not Jake, because <laughs> Jake hates uh, Akeem Butler. But, yeah, that's pretentious. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I think Polite's mine. I, I really didn't think that he'd go as high as he did, and what do we say when he got drafted? Ha- have fun in New York. I'm sure the uh, yeah, media. media there is really going to oh, they won't They won't press you at all. But can you imagine, like, the draft process is just crazy. Can you imagine back in, say it's January 15th, and I say, hey, Craig, Quinn and Williams and Ja'Kai Polite are both going to be Jets. You would say, holy cow, what else did they have to give up to get <laughs> right. that high back up into the first round? Because they don't round? have a second round Right, pick. yeah. How did they do that? And, well, it's how did Ja'Kai make it happen? Maybe yeah. this was his master plan the whole time. I don't know. I did to, to lose a lot of money. Yep. Yeah. What a great idea. Now he doesn't have to worry about that fifth year deal. So he's going to get our fifth year on his contract. So he's going to get paid a it's lot all more. About that second contract. It's true. Hey. Smart. Um, and I don't know. Was there anything surprising for you today, I'm Jake? I'm surprised uh, Amani Oruarie is on the board still. Yeah. That he's was too. one that I think we're all higher than day three on. Mm-hmm. I, think I think a lot of people are higher on in him than day three. I don't know if, he, if he's got bodies buried somewhere or pictures or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but he can cover. He's he's a good coverage corner, and so that's that's surprising that he's on the board. So I, I almost wonder if there's something there for him. Uh, but those were the three, you know, the big ones that I think, you know, group think and, and media talk and pretty much the general consensus would say are still available. Chauncey Garner Johnson, which we know him about him a little bit. Hakeem Butler, we don't really know anything about his character. We do know that he can't catch the football run route, so that's Stop. a potential reason <laughs> okay. why he's still available. But Did then you, Am- Am- Amani O, like he's he's still good. I don't know if he's got character stuff too. What about Kelvin Harmon? What about Kelvin surprising, Harmon? Yeah, Kelvin Harmon is surprising, but he also ran the four six, and yeah, he, you know that's kind of the kiss of death. But I still really like Kelvin yeah. Harmon. I would, I'd be, ha- I'd be thrilled to have him at this point in time. I think he's going to surprise people when he gets to camp, and if he. You know, there's guys every year that they, they lose the combine, they run that bad time, they work out poorly, but then they get to a camp and you just remember, oh, that's right, this is football. This is uh, not all about just running in shorts. But I'll tell you this, because I, I, I'd forgotten about this until right now. All three of my Sams are off the board. These were guys that I was trying to target maybe in round five. Jelani Tavai, round two. Yeah. Jelani Tavai. Sione Takitaki. Sione Takitaki and Cody Barton both went off the board. Guys, those are the good Sams. I I mean, if you were hoping that the Chiefs were going to add some Sam depth and some juice off the edge to be able to help, those were them. It would would appear that position's getting pushed up. Yes. Because there isn't a lot of talent there. Mac Wilson's still available. Mac Wilson is still available. Um, So that's, that's surprising too. Um, there is some so surprises. is Deontay Thompson. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah. I think I think what you're going to find, um, 
day, day three, there's typically some more stuff that'll come out about some of these guys. People are digging now. You know, people, people will dig-, dig, say, why is Sakim available? Why is Amani yeah. available? Injuries, character, maybe there's more there. There always is more there. I mean, that's just the realities of this thing. This happens every year. Mm-hmm. There's always like a handful of guys that you're just surprised is, you know, still off the board or still on the board. And some guys, when they go undrafted, that'll tell you all you need to know. Absolutely. I mean, I Chauncey Gardner Johnson should have been gone early to early today. There's no doubt. If you watch, if anybody, if you've watched this tape, you know that. So there's something there. There's there's something there clearly. So the Chiefs don't have pick one one sixty seven. They don't pick until two oh one. They have two oh one, two fourteen, and two sixteen. So they're gonna get all their picks done in a uh, in a three player in a, a very small window. Three players and sixteen picks. And I bet you a couple of guys we really like will still be available on the board. Yeah, probably so. Uh, we're, I'm looking at corners now. I, I think we can all agree that the Chiefs do need a cornerback. And I know some people maybe don't like some of these picks because there were corners on the table. I, I don't know that they're done. You know, we've said multiple times that the way that the Frank Clark contract is structured makes us think that there might be another move coming. And if that other move is coming right now, the the biggest gaping hole is a a cornerback, maybe a guy that they can add a veteran corner. I don't know who. I don't even want to try and hazard a guess at this point because uh, there's just no more real assets that they can give up unless they're going to dip into next year's pool. But I think that they need to add a guy there. They still need bodies there. Corey Ballantyne, if he's still around late in the draft, I, I think he makes a lot of sense. Some linebacker depths, maybe, maybe you know, we we like Ulysses. We do. Uh, he he might be a guy that they can add later too. So uh, we'll see there. But it's going to it's going to get bonkers here, and it's going to be tough to find guys. How do you feel about like? The Chiefs, what what if I Isaiah they trade up for Isaiah Johnson in the fifth? Uh, in the fifth, yeah. I don't have a problem with Isaiah Johnson in the fifth. I could see it being something like that. I, I, well, maybe because Isaiah Johnson can't tackle, can he? No, but we we would be able to use a gif all the time. Yeah, on oh, him. that would be fun, guys. I, I just <laughs> the, the gif could the gif could be out in public. <laughs> well, I, it's out in public. It just it hasn't caught on yet. Yeah, people because you need to watch him. When just you, watch him when sometime. you watch him it'll make sense a lot of people probably look at it and, and don't think much of it but anyways i'm kind of of the mind i don't i don't think that the draft lasts longer than four four rounds and and to me the reason i think that is uh you know just just so justice mosqueda who's a guy that we all kind of respect has you know he runs the numbers and all this stuff and basically after the fourth round your chance of hitting on a contributor like throughout their rookie contract is just so low mm-hmm. that you know it's it's you're, these are lottery picks they really are so a guy like Isaiah Johnson at that point swing away you know if if that's what you think he's a big tall CB1 guy that can, yeah so why not um, because your chances of him actually contributing are not good so the fact that they don't have any picks left. They don't really have any bullets left in the holster to to really go out and, and kind of address the cornerback position. Right. Uh, that's that's a little bit alarming. I mean, and not I wouldn't say raise the alarm just yet, but it's it's a little bit uncomfortable to 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 look at their cornerback room right now and say, okay, they haven't really addressed this yet. What what's their plan moving forward? Are they just going to get a bunch of fourth, fifth, sixth round dudes and hope that one of them hits or cuts? I, I mean, they they are not. 
going to be comfortable with this room right now. Because again, it's just Charvarius Ward and Tremont Smith, which Tremont Smith got drafted over a little bit. Yeah. If Miko Hardman's going to return kicks, where is Tremont Smith's real value here? If he's just going to, you know, he's kind of a nickel corner. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he's got a lot of proving to do. His roster spot was largely as a kick returner. They just drafted over the top of him with yeah. Hardman. So I, I don't know how much of a lock he is. Certainly they'll keep him around his depth. They're going to at least keep him through camp to make sure, you know, as a body. But I, I think that they've got to add another piece because Charvarius Ward in that situation would be the only cornerback on the entire Chiefs roster. They just need... In 2020. In 2020. They just need more bodies that they don't have right now. So something has to be brewing here. Well, I think we have to start thinking about the possibility that they are kicking the can down the road till next year, you know. Or waiting that, until a release. Sure. Or, yeah. yeah, they're going to get bodies, but but to get a contributor, I mean, the as the saying goes, you can't have pro bowlers at every single position. No. And no, so could the Chiefs be looking at it in a perspective of this way of saying, we're going to try to fix this defense as much as we can in one year. And what we're going to target and what they have target is the defensive line position. They've already poured a bunch of assets into the linebacker position. So now let's hope that these these pass rushers that we've gotten are going to be able to lighten the load a little bit for some of these corners that we have on the roster, um, if that's what it comes to. I mean, Steve Spagnuolo supposedly and Brett Veach supposedly wore him out. Wore the cornerback class out. Like, did more digging into the cornerback class than any other position, according to Brett Veach. Yeah, that's and, confusing. Yeah, and well, look at it. They they dug and went, yeah, no. Sometimes you dig for treasure and you don't find anything. Right. <laughs> Most <laughs> of the time truth. you dig for treasure, you don't find <laughs> yeah. anything. Every time I've dug for treasure, I've not found any treasure. <laughs> Twice. Twice. <laughs> Twice. I was one of those today. It was one of those when you were feeling the stern earlier today. No, I, 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 I acted accordingly. I felt the stern, and I <laughs> took your pants off. Short. We have it on video. We do. We do. I believe that's the first time. Is that first uh, saying that we have it on video? Because I don't think we put that on Twitter. We haven't. Maybe I'll, I might take it all the way up to you about to de-pants and just post it on Twitter. <laughs> you don't want to see what happened after this. <laughs> but this was the start. We might have to do that. Any closing thoughts, Jake? Nope. Craig? I, I missed my Sam's already. Oh. We never knew you. I never, we, I, we never knew me. <laughs> That's going to do it for Day 2 Recap. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Day 3. I said edges. <laughs> <laughs>